for tuning in. We are on Facebook Live, our Hammer Podcast, and it's been deep service. Hallelujah. If you can, would you stand on your feet right now? We have a big bottle in the house for you.
Lord, we honor you, Lord, we magnify your name. You are so good, Father God. When we're not good to ourselves, Father God, you are still good. So, Lord, we just ask, Father God, that you help us not to be disobedient, Father yeah. God. Yeah. Lord, we just ask, Father God, that you be good stewards of your earth. Good stewards of your earth, Father God. Hallelujah. And we'll be sure to give you praise and be sure to give you glory. Mm -hmm. and it's the name of your son. Be Hashem, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, Father God. Yeah. And all God's men and women say amen. 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 Sometimes we're losing uh, the battle of teaching scripture because we're really not trying to teach the message that was originally being sent to the original people. We're trying to make it fit this culture. And you, and you can do that when you get to the third phase of Bible study, which is application. How do you make the scripture applicable in your life? But you first of all have to observe the text and just look at the culture that it was being written to. And as we looked at Paul's letters, what we found out is that it was being written in a violent culture. Because all of the churches, if we started off with Galatians, second being Thessalonica. Now the, the, the specific point was made in the letters of, to the church at Thessalonica. Uh, it was made in both books, first and second Thessalonians. The point was made that these people were a brand new baby church, probably wasn't even a year old. But they were going through severe Persecution. That's why Paul started the letter off the way that he did, congratulating them for still remaining faithful under such persecution. So not only were they young churches, their first time hearing about Jesus. It's not like planting churches right now where people already know about Jesus. We just need to plant a church, get some members, and begin to teach about Jesus. 
But these people, you got to remember now, when Paul and, and the apostles first started writing their, their letters, Jesus was a brand new concept. Salvation by grace only was a brand new concept. They had always been taught uh, hundreds of years previous to that, uh, actually 2,000 years previous to that, that you get saved and, and God accepts you by keeping blood and animal sacrifices. Well, that system, the way that they knew how to worship God, that was over with. And Paul is teaching specifically the new converts. Remember now, Paul was made the apostle specifically to the, to the Gentiles. Peter and, and all other apostles, they were to continue teaching the Jews about Jesus. But Paul, Saul of Tarsus, before he was knocked off his beast on the Damascus Road, God gave him the specific commission to teach to Gentiles. Those that, those that didn't know nothing about uh, Judaism, they didn't know nothing about God, they were, most of them were polytheistic in their religion. Mm -hmm. They served many and different gods. But now Paul has asked them to be, uh, to serve one God, to be monotheistic, to serve one God. Amen. Amen. So we've, we've gotten now to the point of the book of Colossians. And in this book of Colossians, the letter to the church of Colossians, it combines some of the deepest and most sublime teachings about Christ with very basic instructions <clears throat> for life. It's going to be I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. As strongly as any book in the New Testament, Colossians reminds us that Christ must always be preeminent in a Christian's affections and worship. That all that we think, all that we say, all that we do, Christ must be the center of it. Amen. And to, to, to put it in uh, layman term, because uh, uh, sometimes when we mention uh, doing things with Christ in mind, sometimes people don't understand the life of Christ, so you have to explain that and simply put it under this uh, one meaning, this one mindset, is that we have to learn how to love. Amen. Uh, because remember, when they came to Jesus trying to trick him, they said, well, what is the most important commandment out of them all? And he said, love God the Father with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if we, uh, if we needed to define what it is called to put everything on Christ or, or everything we think, everything we say, everything we do must be Christ-centered to, to make the layperson understand what we mean, we simply say that you must love. That is the first and most important ingredient in the Christian walk is that we must love. The Bible even goes a little farther and says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have to be able to mix these two together. At all times, love and faith goes together. It's always right to love and it's always right to have faith. Uh, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there's a time and a place for everything. And he names some pretty, you know, the time to fight, the time, time for war, time for peace. He, he says the time for everything, but he never ever said it's a time to love and a time to hate. We have to be able to love, to be able to go through uh, this world that we're living in to learn how to love somebody. So uh, Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, uh, Colossians, the city of Colossae was located about 120 miles east of Ephesus. And remember we said that Ephesus was one of the most important and uh, large churches that was started. Ephesus was a large city to begin with which it garnered many members. So it was uh, a large church as well. 
because of the size of the city. So we want to be able to, uh, I had to look that up in Ecclesiastes to make sure I was right. He even says in Ecclesiastes chapter, uh, chapter 3 verse 8, and a time to love and a time to hate. He does say that, and I wanted to make sure I was correct as I said that. So Ecclesiastes does say it's a time to love and a time to hate. Uh, but we have to be able to try, as Christians, we have to try to always love first. Amen. I always want to make sure I'm teaching the scriptures right. Amen. So uh, Paul mentions Epaphras uh, as one of the ones who fought for the good news in the city of Colossians, uh, to the church in Colossians. Also, Colossians is a city that Paul himself never actually visited. Paul himself never went to Colossians, but uh, Epaphras, who was the apostle in that city, he must have been doing a wonderful job because the people latched on to the word just as Paul was teaching it to him himself. When Colossians was written, uh, Epaphras was visiting Paul in prison and he had told Paul about all of the difficulties that was going on in the church. Now, the major difficulty that's he talked about in all the churches, the major and most primary difficult was they were being persecuted for claiming the name of Christ. Amen. And remember, uh, we want to interject at this point that uh, the word or the title Christian, the Christians themselves did not give themselves that name. That name was given, the Bible says in uh, Acts 11, 26, <laughs> that they were first called Christians at Antioch, but it was people trying to ridicule them that gave them that name. So it was always some persecution, it was always some ridicule. And even today, even in the year 2021, some of us are still being ridiculed and laughed at for uh, believing in Christ. There's a lot of black people, for example, that like to say, oh, you, you keep it a white man religion. Well, you just hadn't read yet to find out how many of these folks were actually people of color. I'm not going to say black, because that's an American phenomenon. That's an American racist division, sex segregation term. But I will say that there are numerous people of color with pigment in their skin, in other words, uh, like Pastor, uh, like Apostle Alexander says, with protective pigment in their skin. There's a lot of people, a lot of characters, major characters in the Bible that is that. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Ruth, in the book of Ruth, Ruth was a Moabite. Moabites were people of color. <coughs> uh, 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 in in, in uh, Song of Solomon, she says, because I am dark. And we understand that uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron uh, got in trouble for being mad at Moses for marrying a black woman. Uh, 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 she was a Midianite. Amen. Remember when Moses went hid on the backside of the desert, he hid in Midian. Jethro, Jethro, his father-in-law, was a Midianite. So there's many, many, many. I could go on and on. Uh, remember the Simon, when they made carry the cross for Yeshua the rest of the way. You know, so I, I could just go on and on. So for, for, for some unlearned person to say that you're serving a white man's religion, what they're really trying to say is you doing it the European or the white man's way. But this Bible, in this religion of Christianity, uh, is, is not... Uh, uh, a race specific. Matter of fact, when we get to Revelations and all through the Bible, it says every tongue, every language, every nation. So you see, God is including everybody. Mm -hmm. So, so sometimes people just say things out of the wrong context. Amen. Now, now in America, I will say that they are right in one aspect because 
we have learned it from a European standpoint, but this ain't a European book. Hallelujah. Jesus wasn't European, neither was Mary and Joe. Amen. But we have been taught in America from a European standpoint. Amen. Amen. So as we get into this book of Colossians, what we're going to be reading, sometimes uh, the words don't jump straight out at you. And, and Paul is talking about uh, the severe, severe persecution that they under. But when you really read it and, 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 and kind of read between the lines, you'll see that's exactly what he's saying. Thank you for standing strong under all your pressures. So let's go ahead and jump into Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Remember last week we did Philemon, Phil, Philemon, which was a more personal letter that Paul was writing to a specific man for a specific reason, and that was to accept Onesimus, his slave, back under his care. So that, was, that, that book was uh, specific in nature. But this book, once again, he's going to go back talking about the people of God as a whole. Amen. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting right at verse 1. The Bible says this letter is from Paul. Amen. He, he introduces himself as the author. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ and from our brother Timothy. So once again, this is a collaborative letter. Amen. Paul and Timothy were in on writing this letter. He says that verse 2, he says, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae uh, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, may God our Father give you grace and peace. So he gave us the audience as well. He's telling us who this letter is specifically to. Amen. Verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 3 says, We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope Stick a pin right there. We praying for you. We glad about you. This is why. It's because you have confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Mm. Okay, boy, right here. You know, sometimes if we would actually look forward toward heaven about all the blessings and things that God has stored up for us, we really don't have time to get intertwined in these little squirmishes and this little insignificant uh, stuff, for lack of a better term, in the pulpit, in the holy, amen. Getting wrapped up in, and watch this, some of us are even worse, because we wrapped up in the past. Something, something you can't even do nothing about. But he, look at what he's saying here. He said that, uh, verse four again, verse four, start at verse four. For we have heard of your faith in Christ, and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope and which God got for you in heaven. So he's saying that you have learned how to love people because you're looking forward and you keep enjoying your heart and you're not getting stuck in the things that's happening now and definitely not getting stuck in the things that have happened in the past, that you have your mind on heaven and it frees you up to learn how to really love people. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 6, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the word of truth and understood truth about God's wonderful grace. 
it was catching on like wildfire. Now, now look, I want you to uh, keep track of what he's saying in these sentences. He says that other people are catching on because of your hope. Mm. Come on now, let's, let's look at it, let's make sure now. Verse 5, he says, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is gone out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life from the first day you heard it. And God, the word is gone out. And for each community, each community that shows that they have faith in God, they shows that they, it shows that they believe in the power, the burial, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is giving other people hope as this word spreads through the communities like wildfire. So as Christians, the best thing that we can do, watch this, even in Revelations, let me say this, that we're saved by the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of our, the testimony. Word of our testimony. But if, listen to me, Christians, listen. If your testimony, whether you think you're giving a testimony or not, your testimony is whatever comes out of your mouth about God. And if all you're doing is going around bad-mouthing and cussing, you angry all the time, what testimony is that for God? See, law. People around the world getting saved because of how they see us act. Hallelujah. So we have to be positive in our approach to God. We have to be powerful in our approach to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7. Verse 7. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. See? Epaphras went back and reported how the church was doing. They showing love for one another, Doc. Woo, Paul just as happy and excited as he could be. Remember, throughout all the persecution, all the things they're going through, they still sticking together and showing love for one another. Amen, verse nine. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, then the way you will, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Once again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Because it reads how we talk, and I need people to understand. I do prefer to keep things to myself personally, especially when I'm studying. But to make sure that people can grasp of what this scripture is telling us. Once again, I want to reiterate, the world is looking at us. It was saying that I was born in prayer this morning on the prayer line. Some Christ people going to see, the only Christ some people going to see is the Christ in us. And if me as the pastor, if I'm always walking around in a, a bad mood, I'm always uh, upset, talking down on the church and the people in the church, that's not going to get us nowhere. That is not going to get us nowhere. People are being saved because of the lifestyles of the Christians. Specific, right now we're talking about the city of uh, Colossae. And there's people all around getting saved because they see the faithfulness of these people. 
Can everybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Verse 12. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance. Uh oh, that's a big word there. Inheritance that belongs to his people who live mm -hmm. in the light. Now, right away, he got Jewish on you now. Because remember, Paul is writing to primarily Gentiles. That Remember, that was Paul's specific mission. Verse 12 again. Always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. See, I've got to let this sink in now. Paul wrote that whole chapter in Romans chapter 11 about being grafted in or being being uh, being uh, adopted. Amen. Being adopted into the family. Hallelujah. And the, the inheritance belongs to his people who live in the light. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and Everybody say and. And. Forgive, forgive, and forgave our sins. Hold up. The Son of God did what? He said, the Bible says in verse 13 again, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And transferred us. Now let's deal with that real quick. Let's make sure we understand that there is still a kingdom of darkness working on the earth. I like to make this point. I like to make this point. In Genesis, when God put Adam and Eve in the safety of the garden, remember the garden was not the whole earth. The garden was a specific location on the earth. So Adam and Eve was in the safety of the garden. There was boundaries around them. They should, they should not have went out, which they didn't want to. They had everything. And neither you ever seen anybody else come in except that slick serpent. But it wasn't, it wasn't things just going in and out of the garden. The garden was there for their safety. But when they sinned, they got kicked out of the garden into what God has asked me to define as general population. And for those of you who have had anything to do with our penal system, was in general population. <laughs> All kind of criminals in general, in general population. And you'll find out what was out in general population if you read Genesis chapter 6 real, real slow. If you read Genesis chapter 6 real, real slow, you'll find out that when God did create man and woman and place them in the garden, he did not take demons off the earth. No, he didn't. The Bible shows us in teaching that the devil and one third of the angels was cast down to the earth. That, that's, isn't that right? Yeah. Well, when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, that's why he put them in the garden and not in general population. Because God knew it was in general population. He didn't take uh, the devil and the one third of the angels off the earth. They were still here. And when Adam and Eve got kicked out in general population, read Genesis chapter 6 real, real slow. Don't just read what's in the scripture. Do the background study on what the, who the sons of God are and who the daughters of men are. Amen. So we are now have been inherited. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness was never removed from the earth when he put man and woman here. And transferred us, us into the kingdom of his dear son. See, he took us out of the kingdom of darkness, just like Dr. Jim said. What he said? God don't never do what? Take us out of something, not to put us into something. 
Amen. The demonic, the, 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 the demonic that was in Legion understood that. They told Jesus, well, don't just leave us out here. Don't just take us out of him. Put us into something. And look at what happened. The Bible says that through Jesus, we have been transferred, rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. Verse 14, who purchased our freedom. I love this now. Not only did he purchase our freedom, he did what? Forgave our sins. our sins. Now listen, this gives us uh, imagery of how the blood of Christ was able to uh, release us from <coughs> sins past, present, and future. It's right here. Amen? He purchased our freedom. And forgave our sins. Which means he took us out, and then again, and he forgave us. So in other words, he gave us a clean slate. He purchased our freedom. But he gave us a clean slate. We get to start all the way over. Amen. The Bible says, uh, where, where's that uh, scripture? He says, oh, for all of us who are in Christ, we're a new creation. I think that's uh, 2 Corinthians. And for everyone who is in Christ, he's a new creature, the King James says. A new creation. We knew we get a brand new start. Amen. Amen. So every now and then, you got to forgive yourself. You got to leave what happened in the past before you got saved. You got to leave that in the past. And anytime any of your so-called friends and family try to bring it up, you be like, that ain't me no more. I'm new. That's why when God used people a lot of times in Scripture, a lot of times in Scripture, when God started using people, he changed their name. Because you ain't what you used to be. You ain't who you used to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Verse 15. <laughs> He says, Christ is the invisible image of the visible God. See, that's a period after that. Let's make sure we stop right there and not just pause. Christ is the invisible image of the visible God. That's why he was able to tell Thomas, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Because he is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ, he, the, Christ looked just like his dad. Uh, hallelujah. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Watch this. For through him, everybody say through him. Through him. For through him, God <coughs> created everything. everything. So we'll say everything. Everything. Everything that is in the heavenly, heavenly realms and, and on, earth. on earth. Amen. It's amazing that God would send Jesus when he came in the flesh, that God would send him through a carpenter. And that's continuity. Why? Because Jesus built the earth. And God is so, he, he, he's showing us in his Bible the continuity that he has. So since Jesus had built the earth with the Father, he sends it when he comes in the flesh, he sends his daddy as a carpenter on earth. Hmm. The master built. He made the things we can see and the things we can't. The King James says he made things visible and the things that are invisible. See law. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Because once again, a lot of us these days in Christendom, in our Christian experience, some of the ministries that we've gone to, they're not teaching us about spiritual warfare and demonic things and invisible things going on around us on this earth. A lot of ministries don't teach that. And if you don't realize that we are in spiritual warfare, we're in a spiritual battle, that's why your life is always frustrated and confounded. 
because nobody's teaching you spiritual warfare. Nobody's teaching you how to defeat. Uh, as, as, as Paul said in Ephesians, uh, it's not our battle, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers, principalities, and wickedness in high places. And nobody is teaching you how to combat or to have spiritual warfare against those things. Uh, 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 addictions, those, those are demons. Uh, 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 gambling, that, that gambling addiction, that's a demon. Not just going gambling, that's entertainment, but a gambling addiction, that's a demon. There's a difference between entertaining yourself with something and wanting to do it and go and do it even when you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what an addiction is. I'm not saying it's okay to do drugs, but you ain't addicted to drugs if you just do drugs when you're on vacation in December. I ain't saying it's right, but I'm saying you addicted to drugs when you got to have it and you saying to yourself, I don't even want to do this and you still do it. That's an addiction. And those are things. There's a driving force, in other words, in the unseen world that's pushing you to do stuff you know you ain't got no business doing. Sometimes, watch this, a real spiritual people, real spiritual people, not trying to downplay nobody's spirituality, but those of us that's being taught this and that's in tune to the spirit world, the demonic world, you will even feel sometimes something pushing you to go do some things you know you ain't got no business doing. Steady running it across your mind. Because the, the statistics on, on addiction is this. They say whatever addiction that is that you're trying to conquer, if you can get, if you can fight it for 15 seconds, it'll go away. It'll come back. But if you can fight the addiction for 15 seconds, it'll go away. And for every time you fight it for 15 seconds, the time it come back will be longer and longer and longer until one day it won't come back. That's watch this. Let me show you how that's fight. Jesus uh, told somebody about cleaning out demons. He says, but you have to refill it because if you don't refill your soul from where the demons was removed, they'll come back seven times more. Doesn't the scripture say that? Well, that's what he's saying. We got these demons in us that's pushing us to do things and, and to be mean when we know we don't have no business, where we just can't. Sometimes people say it like this. Well, I just couldn't control myself. That's because it wasn't you that was doing it. There's demonic forces all around us. There's good angels, but you have to be able to understand there's demonic angels and forces all around us as well. Yes, sir. Hey Amen. It's like the Bible tells us, uh, it's like the Bible tells us that Satan, uh, he'll come and you resist him, but he'll come again at another op opportune time. You leave the door open for him, he gonna come right back in. That's right. That's right. Uh, that, that's when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Yeah. And the Bible said uh, that he did go away until another opportune time. You sure right. He never gonna leave us alone. Don't even expect that one day you're gonna become mm -hmm. a, a champion Christian and the devil just gonna leave you alone. No, he not. He's going to keep coming and coming and coming and coming. Hallelujah. And one of my friends said something real wise one day. He said, when the devil can't get you with nothing new, he'll reach back in your past and start bringing up old stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. Uh, things visible and invisible, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Come on, read that with me. Now, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. One, one of y'all got y'all King James over? Somebody read that one down and take the King James. I got an NIV. Let me get to the King James. Right. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. What verse that is? 16. Watch this. 
Watch this, y'all. Verse 16, the King James says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, things visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or millions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, watch this, and for him. Why in the world would heaven create these demons? He they were, he, they were created to be good. Initially, then when they followed the devil, they became bad. And one third of the angels he kicked down to the earth. And, but even before that, we have to be able to understand, he says, all things were made for him and by him. So we see, uh, and just going back through history, we see that Lucifer, which we know the devil as in the beginning, now in the New Testament, once he converted, once he fell, you don't never see him called Lucifer no more. He's now called the devil, the serpent, the dragon, all these other names. But in, when he was the head angel in heaven, he was Lucifer. Morning star. Beautiful, best voice over all the rubies, diamonds, and pearls. So they were created initially to be good, to stay with God. But some kind of way, the Bible says what? How does he say? Let me see if I can quote how he said it. It's in Ezekiel. Uh, he says that you were beautiful in all your ways, what? Until iniquity is found in your heart. Amen? Mm -hmm. So we have to <coughs> Uh, you were beautiful in all of your ways until iniquity was found in your heart. And that's why the Bible says, too, don't hide iniquity in your heart. Don't let things stay inside you for long periods of time. It's not, it's not that we're not going to get mad with each other. Things in life are not going to happen. He said, but don't hide iniquity in your heart. Knowing, knowing that you have a gripe or beef or, or, or something with somebody and you're walking in their face every day, kicking and grinning like everything is cool, but really and truthfully, you got all this animosity going on in your heart. Don't hide iniquity in your heart. He said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Meaning, if you and somebody got beef, y'all need to handle that. He said, he said, if you got bringing your gift to the altar and you remember you got art, your brother got art against you, he said, leave your gift at the altar and go make peace with your brother and come bring your gift. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 17. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body, Selah. Christ is the head of the called out one. Anytime the word church is brought up in scripture, I like to be able to make sure we make a distinction here. That's what the word discern means. It means to be able to make a distinction between two or more things. Discernment is more than just understanding. It's being able to make a distinction. So look, let's make a distinction now. Christ is also the head of the church. The word ekklesia is the word that's here in the Greek. Ekklesia, which means God's called out people. Not the building. Christ is the head of the body of Christ. All of those who believe in him, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He is, he, he is part of the Christian life. As we walk and mature in our Christian walk, the major focus of that growth should be that we're compacting our lives to be like Christ. 
Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, he says, for all those that, all those, uh, we know the scripture, let me start off with where we know it at. For we know that God works for the good in all things for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. For all those that God foreknew, he did predestinate to do what? To be conformed into the image of his son. That's the job of all Christians. The job of all Christians is to uh, gradually, as we matriculate through life, as we grow in our Christian walk, we should be trying to be just like Christ. We got four books to show us, show us what he was just like when he walked this earth. The whole Bible is actually showing us what he liked. But we're not going through no uh, language barriers in the Old Testament. We see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the inter the intertestamental period. We see Jesus walking with people. We see what he was like. Yes, he got angry. That's why the Bible can say get angry, but what? Sin, Sin not. The Bible says that Jesus got angry. He made a scourge or a whip, and he drove them out. And that word drove was an emphatic word, meaning he wasn't passive about it at all. So we see some qualities of Christ. This is what we should be mimicking our life after. Uh, uh, they came to him, the Bible says, trying to trick him. A lawyer came to him trying to trick him, wanting to know what was the most important commandment. Jesus said love. We have to learn how to be like him. He's at the uh, the well, talking to a woman at high noon at a well, a Samaritan woman at that. In other words, Jesus didn't deal with racism, y'all. He had no business, first of all, talking to a woman by herself, as a Jew, as a rabbi. As a rabbi. He had no woman talking, no business talking to that woman at that well at noon. But he wasn't in the race. He told a parable about the woman who begged uh, for her child. And he says, I ain't seen greater faith than this even in Israel. So Jesus wasn't in her. She was a Canaanite woman. The story starts off by telling us she was a Syrophoenician. Some scriptures say, some manuscripts say she was a Canaanite woman. Well, if you understand anything about scripture, you know Canaanites was people of color. Jesus ain't had no, 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 uh, Jesus wasn't colorblind. Jesus wasn't uh, colorstruck. He didn't, he didn't, Jesus didn't deal with people because of their color, their nationality, and where they was from. He was showing us that. So we need to have him first in everything. Verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of the blood of Christ on the cross. Everything has peace with God through Christ. Now notice, the, watch this. He's he not even really speaking. Uh, he's not even really speaking in terms of humanity. Look at what he says. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. He didn't say with everybody. He said with everything, because we teach here at Sabbath rest that when sin entered into the world, it didn't just mess up humanity, it messed up all of the creation. Well, why y'all teach that down there at Sabbath rest, preacher? Because in, uh, once again, in Romans chapter 8, Paul said that the whole earth, the whole creation is groaning in earnest expectation of the revelations of the sons of God. 
the whole creation is groaning. The birds don't like what's going on, the dogs, they just can't voice it to us. They showed four, they showed four type of woodpeckers that's extinct in this country. Just yesterday on the little news feed. Four types of woodpeckers that's extinct. How many of y'all seen the elephant, the, the, the commercial about the elephant? They killing them so much for the ivory and they tough. Elephants are extinct. Let me tell you something about the ecosystem. It only works if everything is in it, working together. It was a cartoon that brought this to my attention. It was a cartoon. I didn't realize human beings can't live without bees. But if we ain't got no bees to pollinate, then they gonna start making all this artificial food. When the last time you read a pack of your food that you buy, right below all the ingredients, everything that's in there, read right below that it's gonna say in, by, by, uh, 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 bioengineered or uh, uh, genetically engineered. That's man-made food. Read it. Right, when they got all the ingredients on the, on the panel, go right below that and it's gonna say bioengineered or genetically engineered is what it's gonna say. That means it's man-made food, y'all. Why? Because the earth is grown in earnest expectation. We've contaminated the ground with all the oil, all the spills. Uh, I'm, I don't even wanna go into global warming, hallelujah. Some people don't believe in it, but some things I'm not even asking you to believe in, I'm just asking you to look at the facts. And the earth has become contaminated because we will not stop. Once again, I'm gonna bring to your mind, once again, I'm gonna bring to your mind. When COVID first started in March of 2020, when by the time they shut everything down, we know it started in 19, that's why it's called COVID-19. But by the time they shut everything down in the second week in March of 2020, by April and May, we started getting reports from the scientists that the earth had begun to clean herself up in a month, in four weeks, the earth had begun to clean herself up. Listen, some of you want to argue with me about Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping ain't just for humanity. The earth needs to rest too. Sabbath ain't a, it, it, it's not an Old Testament law rule. Sabbath is a health rule. And not just the health of the human being, but the health of the earth. We know, biblically speaking, that in agriculture, all farmers know that after seven years of farming one piece of land, you're supposed to let that land rest and go plot somewhere else. All farmers know that. We don't want to do it no more for the sake of money, but all, all the almanac tell you that. Everybody knows that there's a year of jubilee where you release people from their debt and from slavery. Everybody know that, but because of money, I'm gonna say again, just like I've been saying the last few weeks, y'all, the house is on fire. Our world is on fire, and we so money greedy we can't even stop. That's the only reason you're doing it. Don't come up here giving me that stuff about my family. If you cared about your family, your children, your grandchildren, we would be concerned about leaving them somewhere to live. And the earth is being destroyed. Amen, amen. Verse 21. This includes you who were once far off from God. Amen. amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> somebody need to shout amen. amen. In other words, he's saying you don't have to be Jewish. He said this includes you who were once far off from God. In other words, he's saying this means you too, Gentile. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. That's how I know he's talking about Gentile. Because the word Gentile, heathen, and pagan, that simply means a people that, that don't know God, a people without God. Verse 22, yet now 
He has reconciled. I like to say it like this so people can understand it in context. He has reconciled us. <coughs> Re, meaning again, consiled, bring together. <coughs> Amen. He has brought us together again. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Hallelujah, because you can't kill the spirit. Mm -hmm. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. All through the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly on it. All right, see lot. Too many of God's people these days, we bouncing, we bouncing back and forth. It all depends on, listen, listen, hold up now. It all depends on how you feel if you're going to go to church or not. It all depends on if you're angry with somebody. It all depends on if you got a headache. It all depends on if it's raining outside. It all depends on if my boss called me. It all depends on, it just all depends. Is there a barbecue today? Is there a, a family reunion today? Is there a wedding today? It, it all depends. It, it just all depends on how I'm going to relate to God. It just all depends, child. I never know from day to day what my relationship with God is going to be. He says this, though, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news, the Uengelion. The, 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 the Don't be switching. It's going to be a whole lot of persuasive people coming around saying a whole lot of good things. Watch this. Now, one thing about a good liar, which the devil is, he's the father of lies, been lying from the beginning. And when he got to Eve in the garden, he didn't come out and tell all those untruths. He tried to mix a little error with a little truth. And that's what most lies is. I'm not going to call his name, but y'all know who I'm talking about who we had to deal with for the last four years. He, he, he just going around just saying, listen, one, one thing that most people with uh, human psychology understand if you keep saying the same thing over and over, you're going to get some people to believe it. You know what they say? Uh, uh, you, you can't fool all the people all the time. You're not going to, hardly ever does anybody get 100% when you're dealing with human beings. Hardly ever does any, no president has ever won by 100% that I'm aware of in my lifetime. Amen. You're not going to win by 100%. Most of the time we win by margins. But we have this assurance that we received when we first heard. Paul continues to encourage us in his writings. Don't lose your first love. John does it uh, in Revelation. Don't lose your first love. When you fell in love with Christ, when somebody come around with some enticing sounding stuff, that sound enticing, you got to stick with what you heard at first. When you was a baby Christian, when you would jump off of a building for Christ. Remember when you was a baby Christian, you'd do anything for the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You tell anybody, everybody you meet about Jesus. He says, the good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim. Amen. Verse 24. <clears throat> Glad when I suffer for you in my body. Ooh, boy, he really love them, don't he? For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for, for his body, the church. Paul said I'm being just like Jesus, in other words. P 
Peter wrote in 1 Peter, he says that Christ suffered and he left us an example of suffering. The church really don't teach that no more. We really teach, listen, pastors, preachers, bishops, elders, deacons, in your teaching, it's a wonderful thing to encourage God's people. We've got to keep each other encouraged. But if that encouragement comes at the detriment of not telling the truth, we're not doing the people no service. Each letter, each letter of Paul that we've read thus far, it showed that the church was going through persecution. That they were struggling through something. Listen, watch this. And I'm talking about something from the outside demonic forces. I ain't talking about that click, squirmish mess we bring in the church. I ain't talking about that. That's us, true. But in God's ministry, in the ministry of Jesus Christ, there's going to be outside forces from the demonic world. We already read it twice. When he says that there's rulers and principalities in wicked places. That should be trying to halt your ministry. But tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Most of our trouble we have it in our ministry that ain't coming from outside forces. I'm going to move on. Amen. Verse 25. God gave, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire, see? That's why I say you got to teach the whole story. Look, Paul. Paul was smart enough to put it in here that we have to teach the entire message. Yeah, we got to encourage people to hold on. Yeah, we got to encourage people that Jesus died for our sin. But we don't encourage, we shouldn't be encouraging people to keep on sinning. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 26. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it has been revealed to God's people. The mystery about Jesus he's talking about. Remember, every Old Testament book, is, it talks about Jesus. It don't call him Jesus. Remember, we only know him as Jesus after Mary named him. Actually, because of the Roman atmosphere that he grew up in, we know him as Jesus. Mary and Joseph put on his birth certificate, Yeshua. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. See? Two. T-O-O. -O, that means also. Just really quick literary lesson. Whenever you see T-O-O, -O, it really means also. Amen. And this is the secret. Ah, ain't God good? Mm. He told us about the mystery of Christ, but he ain't gonna leave us wondering about it. Look what he said. And this is the secret. Christ, Christ lives in you. Period. There's a period after that. Christ lives in you. Stop. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Hallelujah. Verse 28. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all <coughs> wisdom God has given us. Right. Now watch this. Look at verse 28 again. So we tell others about Christ. Come. What's the first thing he do when he telling people about Christ? What's the first word after that come? Warning. He warned. Now watch this. You don't have to give warning about the good things. You give warnings about bad things. They don't never give a warning on the news. Somebody's warning is going to be sunny today. They give warnings when storms come. In other words, what I'm trying to tell the pastors and preachers, bishops, deacons, and elders, we got to tell the whole story. 
we got to warn the people about the impending judgment that's coming on the earth. And teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works in me. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastoring is hard work. Being a Christian is hard work. Because what you're doing is you are, you are allowing your life to shine so that other people might believe in Christ. Don't ever forget that. And some of us in our mature Christian state, listen to me, Kelly. Too many people that saved as people of God, I hear saying, I don't care what nobody thinks. Stop saying that. Because you, you got God's reputation in the palm of your hand. You, you better care what people think. Because you, be, you can be bringing people into the moment with your lifestyle, or you can be pushing people away with your lifestyle. And let me tell you something about adults that's in your life. They're not going to tell you. They're going to laugh and kiki in your face all the way. But boy, when they're out of your presence, they talk about you. Ooh, look at how she was talking. Look at how he was over there talking. And they call themselves Christians. I ain't your child. I ain't going to that church if that's how they act over there. Don't you ever forget, you got God and Christ and the Holy Spirit reputation in the palm of your hand. And yes, you need to care what people think about your vulgar mouth, mm -hmm. about your loose lifestyle. Hallelujah. Amen. You do, you need to care. And if you don't, you need to reevaluate your Christianity. Because we are ambassadors that mean we represent somebody else. Hallelujah. Amen. That's Colossians chapter 1. We'll pick back up next week. Let us pray. Father, it is in the wonderful, everlasting name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach. We thank you, God, for your word because it's through your word that we learn of you. We learn of your plan of salvation. We learn how we should live as Christians. We even learn, God, the fate of the devil. So, Father, we thank you for your word. There's so much in your word. Thank Help you. us to be able to slow down, God, and to uh, read your word and to be able to discern your word, God, so that we may be able to make a difference between that which is holy and common, between that which is good and evil, between that which is good and bad, between that which is you and the devil, God. Help us to make a distinction, God. So we won't join this society that we live in that's calling bad things good and good things bad. That's calling right things wrong and wrong things right. That's calling the devil's things true and your things a lie. Help us, God, to be able to go out in this world and fight it, to stand up against it. Pray right now that you give me the resources to make a commercial so that I can combat Ronald Reagan Jr. commercial. I want to be able to stand next to the devil and tell him how ignorant he is. Tell him he's wrong. So God, give me the resources. Give me the power. Give me the tenacity, the intestinal fortitude to be able to stand up against the demonic world. Having no fear because you promised me that you're with me always, even to the ends of the world. So we thank you, God. We love you. We trust you. We honor you. We bless you. We magnify you. And it is in the wonderful name of your son, Yeshua Mashiach, we pray. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that all God's holy people say amen. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen.